I'm going to dive straight into the message. Uh, actually, I have one quick thing before I dive into the message, and this is just a little housekeeping. Um, we have parking issues. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. All right, so I want to let you guys know, to my left, your right, uh, this whole area on Sundays, even though it says no parking, we can park there. That's just during the week. So feel free, find a spot, um, make it work. We're, we're trying to work this out. It has been a, an ongoing prayer thing, and I feel like every week it's just getting worse. Um, so <clears throat> we're going to talk today about some ways we may be able to solve that. Uh, but hey, all right, we're going to dive j- straight into today because I have a lot to, to go over. Uh, if, if you are just kind of catching up with us, we have been in a series uh, since December over the Gospel of Matthew, where we have been walking through uh, Matthew, and we're walking through it line by line, which is primarily what we do here at City Church. And uh, today, we're kind of shifting. And so we've spent the past six or seven weeks really focusing on uh, the first four chapters of the gospel according to Matthew. And like I said last week, uh, Matthew, even though it is one book, it kind of is made up of multiple different parts. And today, we kind of go from part one to part two. And we turn the corner where Jesus starts his ministry. And today, we're going to read from the Sermon on the Mount, which is the greatest sermon that has ever been preached, the only one that came anywhere close to it was the one that I preached last week. I'm joking. Uh, It would have been Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. But in Matthew, we see just some profound things that Jesus says. And so for part two of this series, we're really going to be looking at the teachings of Jesus. And then in part three, you're going to see we're going to be looking at the ministry of Jesus and what that looks like. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to jump with me to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to pick up right where we left off in verse 23, and then we're going to get halfway through chapter 5 today. And so we're making progress, right? Only 32 more weeks to go. So, um, but yeah, and that's not a joke. I think it's 32 more weeks left. But we got some breaks in there, so don't worry. It'll It'll be good. It'll be good. All right, so where we're picking up is last week we looked at Jesus was in the wilderness season, and after 40 days of prayer and fasting, after being tempted, the angels came and ministered to him, and then he started his ministry. And the first thing that we saw is that Jesus went and he called four regular men to follow him as, uh, as, as a rabbi. And, and so he invited Peter, James, John, and Andrew uh, to come and to follow him. And so where we're picking up is literally right after you have four young men who are now following Jesus, and, and they're essentially um, about to see Jesus do some really cool things. And so Matthew chapter 4, in verse 23, it picks up and it says, And he, he being Jesus, went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Just a reminder to us all, Jesus is in the healing business. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various disease and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds follow him, followed him from Galilee and uh, the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. The first thing that we see about the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the, of the kingdom of God, is that the gospel has a global reach. Jesus never intended for the gospel to remain just in Galilee or just in Jerusalem. Jesus intended for the gospel to go out into the entire world and to impact lives on every continent, in every country, in every tribe, in every nation, in every tongue. 
And, and I love that you see this right out of the gate. It isn't just right here uh, in Galilee. Jesus didn't just stay in Capernaum, but his popularity before social media spread so much that people were traveling from around the known world to go meet this rabbi, meet this teacher, meet this healer, because they heard about something that God was doing. And I just wonder, the people that were going up to find Jesus, did they just go in there with an anticipation of saying, could it be true? Could it be true that this is the Messiah? Could it be true that this is the healer? Could it be true that this is the great physician and the great teacher? Could it be true? And it makes me think, I'm, y'all, I'm already preaching. I'm five minutes into this. It's going to be a good day. I'm telling you, it's the coffee and Jesus. All right. We had a great prayer time this morning, but like What would happen if we showed up to church and we were like, could it be that I get to encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today? Could it be that I get to be in the presence of the creator of the world? Could it be that I get a little bit more of Jesus today in my heart? The gospel has a global reach. And as a church, we are committed to seeing this gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, go to all of Albany, all of the capital region, all of New York State, all of the Northeast, all of America, and all over the world. This is what we align our hearts with. This is what we put our money behind, is to see this power, this saving grace, go into all of the world. And then he shifts. And as he shifts, you'll you'll see. I mean, you'll see. Let me just start in in chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And what we're about to see right here is Jesus is about to start teaching. This rabbi that people are hearing about is about to deliver his first sermon. Right, and, and as he delivers his, his first sermon, one of the things that's important to understand is that Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. Jesus also came not to just say, hey, grace is for today and all this other stuff is just gone. He didn't come just to do that. He came to actually call people to a higher standard. And one of the things that you're going to see over the next three or four weeks as we pick apart the Sermon of the Mount is Jesus goes for the heart of the matter. And many times in religion, we go for the external things. We go for the things that we do. We go for the, the accolades we have, or we go um, in, in for the successes that we have, or the behaviors that we have. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, we can fix the behaviors once the heart is fixed. I need to go after the heart because the heart matters more to me than what you do or what you say. And, and so what you're going to see is that Jesus, through the Sermon on the Mount, he's pointing to two things. He's pointing towards us loving God, stirring our affection for God, stirring our relationship with God, and for us loving people. And everything he talks about in here, it's either going to be about your relationship with God or your relationship with other people. And and so he, he starts out with what is called the Beatitudes. Now, I'm going to go through these really quick today. Uh, I did a, uh, we did a teaching series a few years ago on the Beatitudes, and, um, and I spent a lot of time on that, so I'm not going to do that today. Uh, plus, I don't want to take a year-long series and make it into a two-year series, however we could. So, we're going to go pretty quick. Is that cool? Yeah. Cool. All right. He opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So whenever we read this word poor in spirit right here, he's not talking about financially being poor. However, for some of us, that may be the case. What he's talking about here is having a brokenness inside of you and understanding and realizing that you can't do it and you need a savior. You need a Holy Spirit. You need someone to help you get through the challenges of this life. You need someone to help you love God more and love people 
more. And this is why we see all throughout all four Gospels, people that were poor in spirit met with Jesus. The woman who had an issue with blood, society had pushed her out, culture had pushed her out. The Pharisees said that she was unclean, but she said, if I could just get to Jesus. She was poor in spirit, and she was desperate, and she knew that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, that something could happen. Or I think about the blind man who cried out, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. That is being poor in spirit. And our culture right now teaches us that we have to have it all together, that we've got to look the part, we've got to act the part, we've got to post it on social media, we've got to collect the likes, we've got to do all of that stuff. And, and I'm not at all against social media. I love social media, all right? But um, I do love social media, kind of, sort of, not really. But, but with that... With that, being poor in spirit is recognizing that you simply need more of Jesus. And it says those that are poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It reminds me of what Jesus said, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. He continues on in verse 4. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. What he's talking about there is not talking about like, you know, you're just upset because you had a bad day, but he's talking about mourning over your sin. He's talking about mourning over the brokenness in this world. Listen, if, if I, don't, I don't know if you guys are on Twitter or X or whatever it's called today. I know some of you guys are on TikTok. I got, I got complete side note, not in my notes at all. I got my first, you violated the community standards for TikTok the other day. And, and I was like, why? And it's because I was talking about your identity being in Christ. I posted this little clip and I guess, I don't know, got flagged. And so I won my appeal. Not that that matters, all right? But I, I did win my appeal. Um, but I was like, well, that's a, that's a first for me. Um, again, not in my notes. But we can go on social media and we can see the brokenness in our world. We have wars in Ukraine. We have wars in the Middle East. We have major tension escalating in the Red Sea. We have China on the brink of attacking Taiwan. There's also civil war breaking out in parts of Africa. There might be a civil war breaking out in America right now. Like, I don't know what's going on. There is a brokenness in our society. There is a brokenness in the nature of mankind, and it's because we live in a Genesis 3 world that has been infiltrated with sin. And you know what Jesus says is when you're mourning over those things, I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to comfort you. This is why in John chapter 17, 15 through 17, Jesus talking to his disciples at the Last Supper, he says, don't be heavy hearted. Don't worry about fear. I'm sending a comforter for you. He continues on in verse 5. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the, the world, the earth. What he means by meek right there is simply just practicing self-control. He continues on in verse 6. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, in prayer this morning, Kevin came here, Pastor Kevin, and, and he um, gathered everyone. And he had this, I mean, just really good um, kind of pep talk for us all before we, we prayed. But he referenced Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, Ask, seek, and knock, and it shall be given unto you. Ask, seek, and knock. And, and I'm telling you, our prayer time this morning was like, it was off the chain. It has been for the past couple weeks, and people shouting and hollering. I was, I was crying over there. I'm just like, what's going on? You know, it's all good, all good, right? It's all happening. Um, but, but what Jesus is saying right here is those that are hungry for more, those that are thirsty for more righteousness, those that are pursuing Jesus, it may seem like a lifelong journey, but you will get Jesus. 
This is why anyone who is out there and maybe they're a part of a different world religion or even uh, agnostic or an atheist and they go on this journey of searching and seeking, trying to find truth, right? They eventually land at a place where Jesus is truth because what Jesus says is when you seek me, you will find me. When you knock for me to come in, I will open the door and I will come in. Jesus is saying, man, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You will be satisfied. I wonder how many of us are hungry for righteousness today. I wonder how many of us are thirsty for more of the presence of God. Continues on and he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We've said this in the past, but um, and this is totally in the Bible. You reap what you sow, Right? And so we talk about this with giving. We're going to sow and we're going to reap a harvest of righteousness coming out of that. But I believe that kingdom principle applies to all areas of your life. Like if, if you want to experience mercy in your life, you've got to give mercy. Anyone need some mercy today? Anyone need some mercy from God? I, I know I do. Like when we extend mercy... We shall receive mercy. This is why many of us are, are maybe at this place where we just feel like everyone's hating on us. Maybe it's because you've been sowing seeds of discord and hate for years, and now you're just reaping what you're sowing. He continues on in verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart. Right there, it's not talking about perfection. But what it is talking about is the motivation behind the decisions that you end up making in your life. What's your motivation? I was having a conversation with one of our staff members. And yeah, we want the church to grow, which we're about to talk about. We want to see more people uh, reached for Jesus. But I don't want it to be just to have a large church or just to have uh, a bunch of people attending. I want my motive to be pure and to be holy so that we can see the kingdom of God come to Albany, New York, and beyond. What is your motive. I love what it says in Psalms 24, if we could throw that up there. It says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? You can go to the next slide. And he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Next slide. He will receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And anyone who grew up in the 80s and the 90s, you're going to know this next part. Such is the generation of those who seek his face, who seek the face of God of Jacob. Oh God, let us be. Y'all remember this? A generation that seeks, seeks your face. All right, I'm bringing it back to like junior high youth group right now. Like just totally like we would, I mean, we would rock out on that song for like 45 minutes. The youth pastor would get up. He's like, God is on this. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Come on. Anyways, but the point is this. If we want to see God move, we have to make sure our heart and our motive is pure about that. If we, listen, it's easy to go to God when we need something. It's much more difficult to go to God when we have everything we need because we make it about ourselves. This is why Jesus starts with blessed are those who are poor in spirit because we have to understand we need God. We need Jesus. Albany needs Jesus. The capital region needs Jesus. It's going to start whenever we are pure in heart, whenever we're hunger, hungry and thirsty for righteousness, whenever we are poor in spirit. And then the last one, I'm going to have fun with this for just a moment, and we'll kind of move on. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Or sons and daughters of God. All right. It's election year. I, let's just close the Bibles and go home now, right? Like, you know, it got real quiet. Where is he going? Uh, 
It's election year, man, and Republicans are going to be hating on Democrats, and Democrats are going to be hating on Republicans, and I think the Independent Party might actually have a shot this year. Uh, we will see. Don't make any noise for, you know, don't make any noise. We don't, anyways, I don't want to know who you're going to vote for. Um, but one of the things we saw four years ago, and what we saw eight years ago, and what we saw 12 years ago, and what we saw 16 years ago, is every time it is election season, everyone's just hating on everyone. The church is called to be peacemakers. You are called to be a peacemaker. So someone has a different political view than you, instead of fighting with them, why don't you find common ground to have a discussion with them? And when it gets tension is starting to boil, right, just shut your mouth. Like, I'm being honest, like, like, yeah. And, and I just, you, you know, and obviously, yeah, you need to pray about who you're going to vote for and you need to bring that before God. I'm not ever, ever going to get up here and tell you who to vote for. We will never have a politician take this stage who's in the process of running for office. If the mayor wants to come and say something after she's in office, that's different. Um, but but I, I say this, like, we are called to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. That's all. All right. Rant done. Back to the scripture. And, and all right, I'm not done. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not done. Okay. And, and listen, peacemakers beans on social media too. All right? That's all I got to say. Now we're done. Now we're done. Okay. Keep going. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when others rival you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. You are blessed whenever you are persecuted for Jesus' name. And then he says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, whenever I read this right here, the Beatitudes, what Jesus is laying out here in his opening statement of his sermon is literally what marks the church of Jesus Christ. The church is not a building. We are thankful for buildings. The church is not Bibles and banners. It is not um, balloons and anything else that starts with a B. The church is the people. And what we have been given is a resource to help us foster and steward this movement called the church, which means that we as a church, city church here, in Albany, New York, a part of the greater church of the capital region, a part of the greater church of the global church, we should be marked by these beatitudes. We should be poor in spirit. We should be peacemakers. We should be merciful. We should be meek. We should be hungry and thirsty for righteousness sake. We should be pure in heart with our motives. This should mark us. And so Jesus is saying this, and as he's saying this, I'm sure that his disciples are like, man, this guy is pretty good. we got to line him up for tomorrow night, too. Like, look at the crowd, right? And then the people in the crowd, I mean, their minds are probably melting and being blown right now. Like, the Pharisees say, say this, but you're saying, you're saying this. And then Jesus makes this colossal turn right here, and he looks at the crowd, and he says something so incredibly profound that I believe is the answer anthem for us today as a church. He looks at the crowd and he says, hey, you, you are the salt of the earth. Wait, Johnny, he's talking to you? I don't know, man. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pointing over there to her. Mary over there. Mary's being like, Susie, he, he, I think, I, no, you, you are the salt of the earth. You guys, us, 2,000 years later, we make up the church, and the church is called to be the salt of the earth. But then he says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall, it, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And so Jesus has got people's attention now. He's like, he's talking to us. He's talking to me. Like, this is, this is good. 
This, this, like, I'm, I'm starting to get it. And then he says something else. He says something else. He turns to everyone else again. He's like, in case you didn't get it with my saltiness illustration, which I, I think we just need to say, like, be salty. You know, like some, sometimes people are like, man, you're salty right now. And we mean that in a negative connotation. But like, what if we just turned it around for good? Like, man, you salty now. Like, oh, I'm salty. I'm cooking my salt. Did I get it right, Gen Z? Cooking my salt. I'll tell you, I didn't get it right, y'all. Yeah, okay. Listen, I'm a millennial, and I am proud of being a millennial. I'll just leave it at that, all right? But then he turns and he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is the light of the world. But whenever we receive Jesus Christ, our identity is changed and transformed. And then that same light that is in Jesus is now deposited in us. And we are called to go out into dark places and to let the light of Jesus Christ illuminate wherever we go. This may mean at your job. This may mean at your school. This may mean at university. This may be at Stacks or Starbucks when you're getting a cup of coffee. This may be whenever you're sitting at a Little League board meeting. This may be wherever it is. We are called to let the light of Jesus illuminate the darkness everywhere we go. So we have this light. Bling, bling. It's an iPhone light, right? Um, this, this little thing, I know we've got stage lights up here, so it's kind of hard to tell and all that, but this little thing right here, like in a dark room, can light up an entirely dark room. Especially whenever it's dark at five o'clock outside, right? It's, you know, it's like... But what many of us do... We have our light. We got it shining. Oh, I got some Jesus in me. I'm salty today. I'm lightened today, right? And then we get put in circumstances. We get put in situations, and we just kind of like... What's up, yo? Yeah. Uh-huh. And we take the light that Jesus has deposited inside of us, and we cover it, and we hide it. Might I even say because some of us are ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is not what Jesus has called for you and I to do. Let me turn this thing off. There we go. We are called to take the light of Jesus that has been deposited inside of us and to illuminate it to the world, to the world around us, to the people around us, to the people in our circle of influence, to the people in our sphere of reach, whatever it may be, that is what Jesus has called you and I to do. So, City Church, I want, to, I want to talk to us for just a minute. And I want to make sure I get all this right because we're, we're going to have a little, if, and this is where if you're a guest with us, you're about to find out some stuff um, that we wouldn't normally talk about on a Sunday. And so I'm just going to talk to you guys, pastor's heart for just a few minutes if that is cool. Um, City Church exists. We exist to lead people who are far from God into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is our mission statement. This is why you're going to hear it two or three times every Sunday. We talk about it every Sunday. This is literally just coming from the Great Commission. And as a church, it is our responsibility to either A, lead people towards Jesus, or B, 
we lead people away from Jesus. And, and you're not doing, it's not like, oh, I'm just kind of middle ground. Like, this isn't politics, this is kingdom. It's either up or down, it's light or it's darkness. And we either lead people towards Jesus or we lead people away from Jesus. And, and what I want to challenge us as a church and as a community is to be people that are leading missional lives, taking this light inside of us out to the world to those around us so that we can see people who are far from God step into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. The other thing about this is all of us, regardless of where we are in our Jesus journey and our discipleship process and our spiritual formation, we should be taking steps of growth. I can't tell you, I've read Matthew so many times in my life, but studying Matthew the way that I have been the past couple months, I mean, it is like breaking me. And I'm just like, God, I never knew that. What is God doing? He's using his word to cause me to take steps of growth, to take steps to pursue holiness. Do I still sin? Yeah. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Oh, that boy sins all the time, right? Like, but with that, I am like, it's all about the growth. It's all, it's, listen, it's not about numerical growth. It's about your personal growth. It's about your personal growth. And so we have this process that I wanna go over for the next two minutes. Um, if we could throw this next slide up here at City Church, where, where we want to see you uh, get into this process here at City Church. Uh, number one is we want you to encounter God. This is what we do on Sundays. We come in here and we encounter God. We get to meet corporately with Jesus, with his spirit and to worship God. Uh, the second thing is we want to equip you to do this thing called following Jesus and being a Jesus follower uh, for you to be able to do it by yourself or with the community. And so with that, we have two main things in this area. One is next steps. And if you're new with us and you've never been to next steps, I would love to invite you to next steps. It's going to be next Sunday as soon as we dismiss. Um, and um, it, it only lasts about 45 minutes and you'll be out of here. It is, there's a luncheon involved. Uh, it's not weird at all. You get to hear a little bit of our story. We get to hear a little bit of your story. Then the second thing that we have is following Jesus. And what following Jesus, it's essentially theology 101 for what we believe here at City Church, what we believe the scripture says. And that kicks off next Sunday night uh, from 6.30 till 8 p.m. And you can sign up by scanning the QR code. From equip, we want you to be equipped with the tools in your toolbox for you to be able to grow. Then we wanna see you engage in community. And engaging in community involves being a part of community whether that is through life groups or whether it is through serving or being a part of outreaches that we're doing. And then the last step, which we're really gonna be focusing on this year, is empowering. We wanna see men and women, young and old, empowered in the God-given gifts that God has given them so that they can go out and according to Ephesians 4, do the work of the ministry. But it takes all of us moving into this as a community. It takes all of us owning this as a community. There is always a call to action. Go and make disciples and let your light shine. If we were all doing that, it's not up there, but you guys know what I mean. If we were all being discipled and discipling other people. I'm telling you, man, the light that would be illuminating in the city of Albany would be so stinking bright. People would be like, man, I don't understand those, those Christians. They're, they're weird. And they, I mean, that guy, sometimes he yells during his message. Like, I just don't get it. He wears skinny jeans. I wore baggy jeans two weeks ago. Don't hate on me, all right? Thank you. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. You look good too. And, and so, <laughs> look, we have fun here. All right. Just saying, but like, um, I don't understand them, but there's something different about them. And I like being around them. You notice how sinners liked being around 
Jesus. But yet his light was shining. His light was shining bright. We read about that last week. The Galilee of the Gentiles, a light has shined. So here's where we are as a church. And this is where we're going to have the next five minutes or so. I just want to have a church meeting for just a second. I'm doing great on time too. We're doing really, really well in a lot of areas as a church community. I'm extremely thankful for that. Uh, we, are, we are seeing uh, the church grow right now. We're seeing our next gen, which we'll talk about, is rapidly growing. Uh, We've got more and more people engaging and serving and engaging in groups. Thank you to the four people who stepped up last week saying, hey, I can go serve in City Kids. Um, God is just doing some amazing, amazing things. One of the areas that our church, if you call City Church your home, that we are not doing well in is creating an invite culture. Creating an invite culture, meaning where our people, our community are going out and inviting those who are far from God to step into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and to come and try church. And, and so what I wanna do right now is if uh, we could have, look at Miss Andrea go and Miss Tina go. We're gonna pass these out. I just want you to hold on to these. Every person, we want you to grab one of these. These are three invite cards. Don't ask me why it's three instead of five. It's just three. There's nothing magical about it. It's just three. And as they're passing that out, I wanna talk to you about where we're going in 2024. About two years ago, God told me that we need to, 18 months ago, God told me we need to walk through Matthew as a church. And he said, hey, I've got some great things in store for 2025, which we will talk about come November of this year, where we're going in for the next five to 10 years, all right? Um, But one of the things I really felt like the Lord said is we need to go through the gospel of Matthew as a church. And what God does in our church this year is simply just going to be a move of God. And I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to, how it's going to be demonstrated. I really don't. All I know is I just want to see God move. And what has also been on my heart for some while now is about how we are going to get to a place very, very soon where we are at capacity in some areas. And, and so this is, this is what I wanna talk about uh, for just a minute. Sometime in the spring around Easter, we are gonna be moving to two services as a church community. And I'm excited about that. And let me, let me tell you why we're doing that. Number one is because uh, it's January. Thank you all that are here right now in January. Give yourself a big applause. Like, it's awesome. You guys brave the, I don't know what it is, the snow slash rain slash sleet slash whatever it is out there. I, slash, just slash. You know, I just want to slash winter. All the, yeah. Um, you guys braved it, but what we see come early March is that there is a uptick of people that start attending church in the Albany area, people that are checking out church. Do you know why? Because it gets warmer. It gets warmer, which is so sad, you know, but it gets warmer and people get excited. And so they wanna go out. Um, And so sometime in the spring, we are gonna be moving to two services because we are having some space issues uh, right now. And it isn't so much in the adult area, it's more so in the kids area. And so we had a meeting this past week, and guys, just so you know, this is not something that we've just like, oh, let's move to two services. We've been talking about this internally uh, for probably about six to eight months of like when the right timing is. Uh, What we are seeing next door in City Kids is absolutely amazing. Uh, Lauren Stewart and Gigi and the entire team over there are killing it. You guys need to go give them a high five. Tell them that it is awesome what they are doing. Um, But last week, they were saying, hey, we are continuously at the literal capacity in our Midtown classroom. We are at capacity, and we've got to divide it from three classrooms into four classrooms, which 
Praise God. And that does not account for the slew of babies that have been birthed or in the process of being born right now. All right? And y'all are laughing because, I mean, we had five dedications. We were supposed to have six last week. We've got a few more on the docket. Some of y'all are pregnant right now. Some of y'all are praying and believing. We're going to pray and believe right now. I'm telling you, God says to multiply the church one way or another. Look, we either reach people. I mean, Genesis 2, be fruitful and multiply. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so we're all, like, what are we going to do about nursery space? What are we going to do about nursery space? Because nursery's popping, and it's about to be popping a whole lot more. All right? And for the record, no, Christy is not pregnant. All right, I just need to throw that out there. Because um, every time I do this, people are like, is he alluding to something? I'm not, I promise, all right? Um, but uh, what, what we're doing is we're hoping that moving to two services is going to help free up some space next door, I say next door, on the other side of that wall for city kids. On top of that, it's also going to give more opportunities for people to worship and to be able to come together and to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And so what we're asking for you guys to do is to seriously pray about us moving to two services and to pray about you serving. And here's what we're going to ask. This is my big ask. We're going to ask that you serve one, attend one. That way, if you're serving in kids at a 9 or 9.30, you can come right over here for the second service and you can actually attend church and be a part of it. So guess what? You're not going to miss out on anything that happens in here. And I believe that as we do this, we are essentially making room for God to do a miracle. And I believe that we are about to see a lot of growth in our church as we make room for God to do a miracle. And I also believe that we are going to see next door at City Kids that that just continues to grow, which which not only with babies being born, but with new people that are bringing their families and new people that are coming to check it out. How amazing is that? And it's also going to give us more opportunity to continue to reach people. But you have to invite. And so Anthony Williams, where are you? Where is he? Anthony, stand up. Y'all turn around to Anthony. Y'all give him a wave. Make it really awkward. Um, is Ava Rice here? Ava is not here. Okay. Ava, you can go watch this later. Maybe you're watching right now. You can be seated now, Anthony. Thank you. Um, I want to I talk about Anthony and Ava because we've been talking in our city students about inviting their friends to church. And Ava like literally went out. I don't know how she did it. I don't know if she like texts people. I don't know if she emailed people. I don't know if she showed up at their house at like six in the morning banging a little. I don't know. But she had eight girls show up with her the following week to city students, which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Anthony, Anthony, um, who, who is, is, man, he's, he's talking about a pure heart. That, I love that kid over there. Anthony, every week, is taking invite cards, and he's going during lunch, and he's just going to people, come to youth with me, come to youth with me, come to youth with me. Pastor Mike, they're not here this week, but I'm going to hit them again next week. Not hit them, but I'm going to, like... <laughs> I'm going to invite him again next week. Come to church with me. Come to church with me. And you know what I told him is, Anthony, one day they're going to be broken down so much that they have nothing else to do but to say, fine, I'll go to church with you. Because that's what happened to me. If it wasn't for someone who kept saying, go to church with me, 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 go to church. Fine, I'll go to church with you. And then, boom, Jesus did something awesome in my life. If those two teenagers can do it, there is no excuse for us as an adult to be fearful or timid with our invites. Like if anything, like let us show the next generation what evangelism and discipleship looks like. Let us show them what stepping out in faith and boldness looks like. Let us start to pave the way for a revival for Gen Z. 
Like, let's us, like, truly let the light inside of our hearts illuminate in this world. And so you have three invite cards. Here's my challenge for you. Even if people say no, go find three people, invite them to church next week. Why? Because every person matters to God. And if they matter to God, regardless of their background, regardless of their political preference, then they should matter to us as the church of Jesus Christ. I wanna share this story, and I shared this several years ago as a church, but this is written by a good friend of mine. It's called An Authentic Experience, written by a pastor in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You guys have heard me talk about him. Um, but this is something that he writes. This is all about an inviting culture and not being weird Christians, all right? And I'm, I'm, we'll end on time today, but my sermon, it's gonna go late, and I don't care because I'm fired up, all right? He says this, love has always been the catalyst for making diligent followers of Christ. Back in the second year of our church existed, or back in the second year our church existed, a young lady started coming who had no Christian background at all. Kristen was a college kid and came in on one Sunday night when we still did Sunday night services. I remember she actually slept during the first, or during the service the first couple of times she came. But she kept coming and eventually made it through my sermons, in which I would say, if you're sleeping whenever I'm preaching, I'm just not talking loud enough, all right? So I instantly took a liking to Kristen. She was a weird, she was weird and goofy, and she would laugh at times when it really wasn't appropriate. But that's what everyone liked about her. The other thing about Kristen is that she invited everyone to church. She would go out, she would love people, and then quickly invite them to our small church on the square. One of those people was a couch-surfing, 20-something homeless dropout named Patrick. Not only was Patrick homeless, but I found out months later that he was estranged from his wife. But just like Kristen, Patrick jumped in and became very devoted to the church. He got baptized, he started serving with our kids, and he became a pivotal part of our volunteer team. In 2011, I took Patrick and some other volunteers to a Catalyst conference in Atlanta. While we were there, Patrick heard from God that it was time for him to fix his marriage. By the following year, I did the couple's vow renewals. Long story short, Patrick eventually became the children's pastor at our church and moved up on the team in a leadership position all leadership position over all the family ministries. Currently, Patrick has several hundred volunteers and over 1,400 children just in the children's department. This was several years ago. At their main campus, they see 1,700 kids under uh, fifth grade. Like, it's insane. 20-something dropout homeless dude. But it, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. A couple years back, Patrick started discipling a young woman named Sarah who had come out of Mormonism and into our church. Sarah was working on her master's degree and was starting to serve in kids in our church. Someone give it up for our kids workers, all right? Sarah's heart was really for kids with special needs. And in 2018, she soft launched a ministry in our church called Emerge that focuses primarily on kids with special needs. As of today, there are over 60 families, families that have come to our church just because of Emerge. There are families that couldn't attend church before because no one in the country did anything like what we were doing. Think about that 60 families just from one person's ministry. That is almost twice the size of the average church in America. Sarah's ministry is now starting to be taught in other churches and even other countries where, she, where we uh, train pastors. And this is it, I'm closing with this. The point of the story is this, showing love to one quirky college girl that most people would have just overlooked, turned into a homeless 20-something, getting saved, and becoming a leader of the families in the church. That homeless 20-something uh, that led that young former Mormon to start a ministry that has given 60-plus families in our city alone the opportunity to hear the gospel. The simple love of others and the willingness to share the light of God with them literally transforms more 
people than we could ever imagine. Like that is powerful. That is powerful in which I want to say, hey, City Church, why not in Albany? Why not in Rensselaer or in Cohoes or in Gilderland or Schenectady or Troy or wherever else it may be? Let's let our light shine to the world. And so my challenge for us, because we all have a next step, and I promise you I'm closing with this. Take these invite cards. We're about to pray over them. We're about to get a little charismatic in here. We're about to pray over these invite cards. Take these invite cards. Find three people that the Spirit of God leads you to. For me, it's going to be Wesley at the gym. I invited him for Christmas. Guess what? I'm going to go invite him tomorrow morning. And he's going to give me the same spill, and that's fine. I'm going to keep inviting that sucker until he's here because I love Wesley, and Wesley loves me. And Wesley loves Jesus. He just doesn't know it yet. All right? I'm just going to say it. And I'm going to let my light shine at the gym. Maybe for you, it's the barista. Tomorrow morning, it's Starbucks. But take these three cards. Intentionally invite someone to church and say, hey, next week, come sit with me and watch what God will do. Watch what God will do in their hearts. And let me make this very clear. It is not so that we can just have a large church. It's because the people out in the city of Albany and beyond matter to Jesus. And somebody's got to reach them. So why doesn't the church reach them? And then the last thing. This is like the pastor's closing. Seven last things. Worship team, come on out. In the lobby, we have, I think, 22 of these books that we want to give away. And so if you will intentionally take this book, it is all about sharing your faith. It's all about creating disciples. It's all about having conversations with your barista or your waiter or waitress or with your coworkers and not being weird about it. If you would take this book and you genuinely would read it, I want you to go see someone in the host area and they, we've got 22 first come, first serve. The staff has been through it. Many of our leaders have been through it. I know many churches have been through this book. It is an incredible practical resource on you being a disciple maker and sharing your faith. That's my last thing. So if you guys would stand to your feet. And I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing, and I want you to do something a little weird. Maybe it's weird, but I don't care. Take these cards, and let's just hold them up in the air right now. Hold it high and proud and fan yourself if you need to. And I just want to pray over these, because these are not just cards. These represent people, and I want you to think about what would happen if all of us just invited three people and one of them said yes to showing up next week? Like that is powerful. And let's just see God do what God can do. So Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for the light in all of us. And Lord, I thank you for these cards, these invite cards. And God, I thank you for the lives that it represents, the stories that have yet to be told of people encountering Jesus. And so Father, I ask that as a church community, we would go out, we would be bold in our faith, we would be salty, and we would let our light shine to all men. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, Amen. Amen. Listen, let's worship and let's prophetically speak this song over the city of Albany. And then Andrea is going to come up and dismiss you guys in just a minute. Amen.